Okay. All right. Good evening, brothers and sisters in the faith, and welcome to another episode of the Bible History Project. Before we proceed, we ask everyone to please stand for our opening prayer. Almighty and merciful Father, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the cries of your people, for blessing us with peace that surpasses all understanding. This is why, despite of what is happening throughout the world, we can stand before you and truly and profoundly praise your highest name. Please, Father, accept our thanksgiving and be with us as we study your holy words. The reason why we seek your commands and your holy words is because we find comfort and guidance through them. May you speak through us by means of the Holy Spirit that, Father, we can carry out your plan Fulfill your objectives and purposes in our life and become the people you want us to be. Our Lord Jesus Christ, our chief shepherd and Messiah, we cry out to you. We long to listen to you because you have the plan for our life. You have the instructions for us to prosper in our spiritual life. May you bless us with life abundantly and teach us to follow you and the Father at all times. Oh God, may you please forgive our sins and make us worthy this day to receive your grace and mercy. We ask and beg everything, oh Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, all right. Uh, thank you so much for attending our Bible study tonight. We are continuing our study uh, concerning the life of Joseph. We left off last week with Joseph being sold as a slave to the Ishmaelites. And what happens next? This is what we're going to study today. Let's go to the book of Genesis 39 and the verses 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And so when the Ishmaelites got hold of Joseph, they arrived in Egypt. What did they do with him? They sold him to Potiphar. Now, Potiphar was not just anybody. He was a somebody because he was the captain. Take note, he was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. And so he purchases uh, Joseph as a slave. And so he is definitely stuck in Egypt. How far is Egypt from his homeland, Hebron? Let's go to the next slide. He is hundreds of miles away. So I'm sure he is probably homesick. And add to that, people think, at least his father thinks, that he has already passed away. Can you imagine the emotional pain that you're feeling, being absolutely helpless? You cannot even communicate to your own father that you are safe, right? Even though you are in that situation, at least it would give you some comfort for your, your, fa your father to know that you are still alive. So he could not do that. And so he was in unfamiliar territory, an unfavorable situation. Why? Next slide. Because he was in a foreign land, right? Probably did not know their language. He was in a foreign culture. People did things differently over there. And he was a slave, not a favorite. Because back in home, back at home, he was the favorite son. I'm sure if you're the favorite son, you had privileges. He was enjoying life as a prince. He would be the father eventually of Israel. And so he was having a good time back home. All of a sudden, that's taken away from him. No longer a favorite. He is a, a slave. How many of you can relate with Joseph? Perhaps not completely. But all of us, every once in a while, we find ourselves in unfavorable situations, right? Maybe you are forced to take a job you don't really like, right? Maybe you are forced to move to a place you don't really want to be. Maybe you've been transferred to a school that you really don't want to be at. And so sometimes we face situations where we have no control over and we feel helpless. These are unfavorable situations. What do we need to do and what can we learn from the story of Joseph when we find ourselves in unfavorable situations in our life? Go to the next slide, please. What we need to do is to thrive. Wherever we are planted, wherever we find ourselves in, maybe you have been removed from the synagogue or the institution. 
God has something for you. Wherever we find ourselves in, let us do our best to thrive. And this is exactly what Joseph did. So what's the first step? What are the principles we need to apply to ourselves so that we can thrive regardless of the situation or circumstances in our life? Next slide. First step is acceptance, right? You are here. Where is that? Present. You know, if you are in an unfavorable um, situation, you have to not try and sulk in the past, right? Don't try to change what can no longer be changed. What is that? The past. We cannot go back to the past and change the decisions we have made, right? Let's not do that. We're going to make things worse for us. You might end up becoming depressed and might have a clinical diagnosis. We don't want that. What else? We should not focus too much on the future. Why? Because our influence on the future is limited. However, what we do have control over is what we do in the present. And that entails accepting. Accepting our present circumstance or situation, which takes us to the first principle. Thrive where you are planted. The first thing you need to do is to accept your situation. This is what Joseph learned to do. He was in Egypt. He was stuck in Egypt. And so what did he say to himself? I'm going to accept the situation and make the most of it. And how did he do that? Next slide, please. Genesis 39, 2 down to 4. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned because Joseph accepted his situation, not sulking in the past or complaining about his present situation. What did he do? He served. And how did he serve? He served really well. In fact, he served so well, who noticed him right away? Potiphar. So much so that he appointed him personal attendant in charge of his entire household and everything that he has owned. I want you to keep that in mind. Wherever you may be, brothers and sisters, always be there to serve. Next slide. And so to thrive or you're planted, you need to serve. Serve to succeed. You are in a new job you don't really like, do your best to serve. And when we say serve, don't just do mediocre work. You got to do excellent work, the kind of work that causes you to stand out, right? People take notice of you when you do that. If you always have the mindset of how can I serve, you're going to be promoted. You're going to succeed in life. This is what happened to Joseph. And so how else did Potiphar reward him? Genesis 39, 5 to 6. From the day Joseph was put in charge of the, his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except what kind of food to eat. What a nice life, right? And so Joseph, because of his attitude to serve and to serve well, what, does, what happens to him? First of all, God blesses him. And when God blesses you, even those you're working for also receive the blessing. Potiphar notices that the Lord is with him. And so he promotes Potiphar again. This time he's not just a personal attendant. This time he becomes the administrator of his oh, everything that he owns. So Joseph was thriving already, right? Can you imagine that? Instead of sulking, complaining, being bitter. He did what he can. He made the most of his situation. God blessed him and he prospered. However, what happens next? Next slide. Genesis 39, 6 to 7. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. 
come and sleep with me. She demanded, oh boy, something about Joseph you need to understand. Not only was he hardworking, not only was he a man of integrity, right? He was also handsome. Not only was he handsome, he was buffed, right? Probably had a six-pack, I'm sure of it. He was a well-built young man. In other words, he was a catch, right? Guess who took, took notice of this well-built, handsome young man? Potiphar's wife. You know, what do you think about Potiphar's wife? Do you think she's mediocre? Potiphar, he was not just a somebody. He was the captain. He was the captain of the king's guard. You know what that means? That means he had power, right? And so he could have any woman he wanted <laughs> because of his position. And so Potiphar's wife, she was beautiful. She must have been very, very attractive. And here she is. What does she demand from this young man? He's a young man. Young men have hormones, right? And so what does she uh, approach him to do or approach him and say to him? Uh, she says to him, come and sleep with me. She demanded. It was not a request. She demanded. After all, she was the queen of the estate, right? She was in charge, including Joseph. So really, she had every right to do whatever she wants to do with him, right? But what, did jo what was Joseph's response? Genesis 39, 8 to 9. But Joseph, what does it say? <laughs> he didn't think about it or meditate about it or said to her, let me think about it first. Joseph refused. And she even told her why. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Did you notice how God was involved in this decision? Unlike Jacob before, remember? I, I am upset this happened because of my safety. Here's Joseph. He was thinking not about himself. He was thinking about who? God. This is why he refused the temptation. He refused the sin because he was thinking about God. Brothers and sisters, when you are prospering, when you are progressing in life, when you are thriving, let us never forget. Next slide. Always keep your reverence for our almighty God. Have a fear of God so that you will remain within the boundary of God's words and God's will. And so she refused uh, Potiphar's wife, but she's a very, very determined person. And so what did she say next? Genesis 39, 10 to 12. She kept putting pressure, <laughs> kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. So she kept flirting, right? Maybe she changed into something more seductive. But he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. She came oh man, and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. And so when this woman, Potiphar's wife, was putting pressure on Joseph day after day, hounding, hounding him, demanding, come sleep with me, and even took hold of him, right? Grabbed his shirt. What did uh, Joseph do? He had to tear his clothes away, right? And what did he do after that? He ran from the house. That's a good thing to do. You run away, right? You run away from temptation. However, when he did that, a piece of clothing, piece of the cloak that was worn by Joseph was in the hands of who? Potiphar's wife. What does she do with that? Next slide. So the one thing we notice about Joseph, well, he resisted the devil, right? He resisted temptation. Always keep in mind when the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted, when the temptation did not work the first time, there was temptation number two and temptation number Three, we have to keep in mind the devil will not give up. 
he will always be on the prowl, he will always be on the attack. So we need to consistently, day after day, become mindful and resist the ploys of the evil one. When it comes to temptation, let's follow this principle. It's a biblical principle. Next slide. When it comes to trials, endure it. But when it comes to temptation, you got to run away. Do not endure temptation. Run away and keep away from temptation. Trials, we endure. Temptations, we run away from. And so, young brothers and sisters, do not affiliate yourselves with people who will bring you into a pathway that leads to sin. Why are you going to hang out with drunkards or drug people if you don't want to participate in their activities? So we need to be mindful of where we go, the kind of friends that we hang out with. Endure trials, run away from temptations. And so when, when Joseph ran, because he, he had to do that, he ran away from the temptation. Well, what happened? What did uh, Potiphar's wife decide to do with the, with the piece of clothing that she had in her hands? Genesis 39, 13 to 15, when she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave there here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. Did Joseph do the right thing? Yeah. But people who got hurt because you did the right thing, you know what they're going to do? They're going to turn the story around. <laughs> Does that happen? All the time. Does it happen today? All the time. All right? You decide to do the right thing. The people who get hurt, what do they do? They look for ways to turn the story around to falsely accuse you. It happened to Joseph. It can also happen to us today. And so when the husband comes home, what does she do? Genesis 39, 16 to 18. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you've brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. And so when the husband comes home, shows her the cloak, and accuses Joseph of trying to rape her, which is a complete opposite of what really happened. Of course, the husband, not knowing the truth, well, instead of investigating, he believed what her, his wife was telling him. And so what did he want to do? What did uh, Potiphar decide to do? Because he believed his beloved wife. Genesis 39, 19 and 20, Potiphar was furious. Naturally so, right? When he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her, so he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained because of a false accusation, a false evidence that was planted, right? What happened to Joseph? He was sent to prison, and there he remained. Was there a bail available? There's no bail available. Was he going to be tried? I don't think so. Bible says he went to jail and there he remained. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about that. And so we're, go, we're back to square one, wherever you're at, whatever your situation may be. If you have no control over that, make the most of it. Thrive where you are planted. This time he's not planted in Potiphar's house. He's planted in the worst place. It's called what? Jail. Right, so what, the, uh, what do we need to learn from here? Next slide, please. Number five. Always prepare for setbacks to happen even during our progress. Why? We live in a broken world with broken people. People do nasty things, including falsely accuse you. They will do that. We're sinners. And so because we are living in a world full of sinners, we're going to find uh, setbacks to happen in our life. Prepare for that and don't be overwhelmed by it. And so when Joseph was in jail, his new situation, his new reality, well, what happened to him there? Well, Genesis 39, 21 to 23, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. 
and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Do you see a pattern developing here? Wherever Joseph goes, doesn't really matter. It could be a house. It could be a jail. People are going to like this guy. Why? Because God was with him. You notice what the Bible said about Joseph? God showed him his faithful love. And you might think about that. Wait a minute. He's in jail. If you're in jail, can you say that God loves me? Can you say that? I mean, if you're in jail, I mean, take a look. At, uh, consider this. People looking from the outside in, looking at Joseph's situation. What would they conclude? God doesn't love Joseph, right? Why? He's in jail. But looking from the inside out, looking from what is really happening behind the scenes, the Bible tells us that, no, that's not true. You don't see the whole picture. When we see the whole picture, we see that, wait a minute, the Bible says God showed him his faithful love, even though he's in where? In prison or in jail. This is why when it comes to our circumstances in life, what, what is really important is not the externals, what we see. What is more important is what God sees in us, right? Or if God is with us, because if God is with us, it doesn't matter where you're at. God can make you thrive. And Joseph was already beginning to thrive because he became the favorite of the prison warden. And so we need to trust. Next slide. Trust God during setbacks. Do not look at your circumstances. Trust God that even if you are in negative or adverse circumstances, God can do something about that and cause you to thrive even more. And so because he trusted God, what did he continue to do? Let's read Genesis 39, 22 down to 23. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and he caused everything he did to succeed. Did he thrive in the, in the prison cell? Yeah. Why? How did he do that? Bible says Joseph took care of everything. He continued to serve, right? He did everything and beyond what was expected of him. How else did he show his service, his attitude for service? Genesis 41 down to 4. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in the prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. And so we can see Joseph in prison, trusting in his almighty God. He continued his act of service. Next slide. In fact, in prison, what did he do? He looked for opportunities to serve. He served the prison warden. He did everything. And beyond, he also served the prisoners who were there by attending to them. He looked for opportunities to serve. And you know what? When you always look for opportunities to serve and you serve your fellow man, God also sees what's happening, right? And you know what God will do? He will open up opportunities for you so that God can do something great in your life. This is what happened to Joseph. And so while he was serving and attending to these two new inmates, what happened? Genesis 45 down to 6. While they, while they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. And so while attending to the two people, the, the cupbearer and the baker, he noticed that they were looking very upset. Why? What was upsetting them? Genesis 40, 7 to 8. Why do you look so worried today? He asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. You notice Joseph had this attitude for service, this mind for service. When he saw them looking upset, he was concerned, right? And so what did he ask? Why do you look so worried? 
Don't you love Joseph? Don't you wish Joseph was your friend? I do, right? Because he's concerned about you. And when you're concerned about other people, God can use you. And so what does he realize? The problem that was causing them much grief and worry was because of their dreams. And what does he say about dreams? He says, interpreting dreams is God's business. So what did Joseph see here? An opportunity to share with the two God's message. Because the dreams that Joseph is able to interpret, that's messages from who? Our Almighty God. So he looked for an opportunity to share the message of our Almighty God and said to them, go ahead and tell me your dreams. And so what was the dream about? Genesis 49 to 11. Let's begin with the chief cup bearer. So the chief cup bearer told Joseph his dream. Uh, in my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom and soon produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took the cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. So that was the dream. How many here know what that dream means? They don't know what that meant, right? But who knows what it means? God. And so Joseph inquired from God what it meant. God told him this. Genesis 40, 12 to 15. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The tree branches represents three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cup bearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. And so what was the meaning of that dream? It meant that in three days, uh, the Pharaoh would bring him back and he would be again restored to his position as chief cup bearer. Was that good news? Yes. This is why he told the chief cup bearer, okay, when you're at the palace, please tell the king about me, right? Tell the Pharaoh about me because I was wrongfully accused and I'm not, I should not be in prison. And so listening to this interpretation of the dream, the, the, the baker, what does he say in response? Genesis 40, 16 and 17, when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. That was the dream. What did that mean, that dream? Let's read Genesis 40, 18 and 19. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up. <laughs> oh, I feel bad. And impale your body on a pole. <laughs> then birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Not a good dream at all, right? Anyways, that message, well, that's God's will. Even if it was not, it's not exactly what the person wanted to hear, that's what God told him. And so he told him the truth, right? So Joseph, not holding back, he told him, you're going to be impaled, your body on a pole, and birds will eat your flesh. And so Joseph, because of his concern, was given the opportunity to share the message of God. We need to do the same thing. Next slide. In our life, look for opportunities to share God's message. You know the people that you come in contact with, maybe at the store, maybe at your place of work or at school, stranger. You know, there, are, there may be a reason for that. And so when you get the opportunity, look for ways that you can share the message about our Almighty God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. And so when the dreams were told and Joseph gave the interpretation of the dreams, was it fulfilled? Three days later, what happened? Uh, Genesis 40, 2022, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cup bearer and chief baker to join the other officials. So the first part of the dream was fulfilled. He then restored the chief cup bearer to his former position. So he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his 
dream. Three days later, what happened? The dream was fulfilled. The chief baker was put to death, but the chief cupbearer was restored to his position. Remember Joseph's request? When you are restored to your position, do not forget me. Tell the Pharaoh about me, how I was wrongfully accused and sent to prison. Is this what the chief uh, cupbearer did? Let's read Genesis 40, 23. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, that is messed up, <laughs> forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Sayang. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Joseph is thinking, maybe he would lose hope because this was his chance, right? So far, so good. He would lose, he would, this would be his chance, but it did not happen. So what can we learn from this? Uh, let's look at number nine. You know, do not get tired of doing what is good and right, even if there are setbacks. Why must we never get tired of doing what is good and right? Galatians 6, 9 to, 10, 9 to 10. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So he's Joseph. He's anticipating a call, right? Maybe not a phone call, but anticipating a summons. Uh, Joseph, is that your name? Yeah, we're going to let you out of prison. Yeah, because the chief cupbearer told the truth to the, king, to the pharaoh, and you've been falsely accused, so we're going to restore you to your proper place. Maybe Joseph was hoping for that, right? But that's not what happened. He had to wait a long time. He had to wait two years. Can you imagine that? But you know what? Sometimes when we are waiting, God is preparing. Always keep that in mind. When we are waiting, what is God doing? Preparing. Just because you can't see him working doesn't mean he's not working. <laughs> God is doing something. We just need to trust Him. And so what does God tell us while we are waiting? The Bible says, do not get tired of doing what is good. Why? Because at the right time, and God knows the right time better than we do. So trust Him and His timing. At the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. And boy, oh boy, Joseph will reap a great harvest more than he can even imagine. I can't wait to tell you about the harvest that Joseph is going to Read, because he did not give up. He kept doing what is good. And so two years later, which is a long time for me, two weeks is a long time for me, right? We live in the Amazon age where we need to have results the following day, right? Prime time delivery. And so what happens after two years? Genesis 41, 1 to 4, two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River in his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows coming, come up out of the river and began grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows coming up behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy, fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. He was shaken. He woke up. That was his first dream. What was his second dream? Genesis 41, 5 to 7. But he fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. And seven more heads of grain appeared. But these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. And Pharaoh woke up again. And realize it was a dream. So the first dream, the seven fat, uh, thin cows ate the seven fat cows. And the second dream, the seven withered and thin heads ate the fat, uh, uh, fat heads of grain. Right. And so these two dreams uh, bothered a Pharaoh. In fact, he was so bothered by it. What did he do? Genesis forty-one verse eight. The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dream. So he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt, because at this point, Egypt was the most powerful, most wise country in the whole world. They had the research team, their scientists, their doctors, everything, even the magicians. So he summoned all of them. When Pharaoh told him his dreams, 
Not one. <laughs> Not one of them could tell him what they meant. So they were befuddled. They had no idea what this dream actually meant. Which brings us to who? The chief cup bearer. So he's listening in because he's a chief cup bearer, right? So he's right there with his cup <laughs> to give to the thirsty Pharaoh when he's thirsty. I guess he needs assistance in that matter. And so what does he remember all of a sudden? Let's go to Genesis 41, 10 and 13. Some time ago, the chief cupbearer said, you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything happened just as he had predicted. I was restored to my position as cup bearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. And so when the wise men, the magicians could not explain to the Pharaoh what the dream meant, this gives an opportunity for the chief cup bearer to tell him all about the Hebrew man. His name is Joseph. Joseph! He interpreted our dreams, and it came true. He can help you. And so what did Pharaoh do? Genesis 41, 14 and 15, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, not tomorrow, at once. And he was quickly brought from the prison after he shaved. So he's clean shaven and changed his clothes. He went and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night. And no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. So here's Joseph. He has this reputation as one who can interpret dreams, right? He's before the most powerful man in the whole world, Pharaoh. Here is his chance to brag, right? All right? So what does he say? Genesis 41, 16. You notice the humility of Joseph? It is beyond my power to do this. Don't you love that? <laughs> Joseph replied, but God, God can tell you what it means and set you at peace. I mean, he could have said, well, God appointed me. He could have said that, right? I'm the most important man on earth. <laughs> he could have said that, right? That's not what he said. He said, it's beyond my power. You notice what he did? He decreased, and who increased? Right? He put himself low, and he exalted who? God. That's what we need to do. Never take credit for ourselves. Here's Joseph. He had the opportunity to exalt himself before the most powerful person on earth at that time. But he said to him, it's beyond my power. But God. God, God, he can tell you what that means. This is why I always keep in mind when you're prospering, when you're succeeding. Next slide, number 10, give glory to God. Always give glory to him, not to yourself. Do not promote yourself. Go in the background. Let God be in the foreground. Always be in the background. You're just an instrument. We are but instruments of God. Always give glory to our almighty God. So he gave glory to God. And he relied on him. How did Joseph show that he relied on him? Uh, Genesis 41, 17 to 24. So Pharaoh took, uh, told Joseph his dream. In my dream, he said, I was standing on the bank of the Nile River, and I saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and began grazing in the marsh grass. But then I saw seven sick-looking cows, scrawny and thin, come up after them. I've never seen such sorry-looking animals in all the land of Egypt. These thin, scrawny cows ate the seven fat cows. But afterward, you wouldn't have known it, for they were still as thin and scrawny as before. Then I woke up. Then I fell asleep again and had another dream. This time I saw seven heads of grain, full and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, and these were blighted, shriveled, and withered by the east wind. And the shriveled heads swallowed the seven healthy heads. I told these dreams to the magicians, but no one could tell me what they Mean. So here's the Pharaoh explaining to Joseph how many dreams did he have? Two dreams. First about the cows, then the grains. They had the stock of grain. 
Okay, so he tells him the two dreams. What does Joseph say? 41, 25, 27. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh, that's you, in advance what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. So what, that's what the dreams meant. And what then was the warning of Joseph about the dream? Well, Genesis 41, 28, 32. This will happen just as I have described it. For God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity, prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine, so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. So what was the warning of uh, Joseph concerning the dream? There's going to be famine. There's going, that's the bad news, but there's also good news. Before the famine comes, the seven years of famine, there's going to be seven years of prosperity, giving you time to prepare. What is the purpose of the two dreams? The Bible says the two similar dreams means that the events have been decreed by God and will soon make them happen. So what was suggested by Joseph as informed by the dream? Genesis 41, 33, 36 Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it so that there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. So what was the suggestion? Find an intelligent, wise man and put him in charge over the entire land of Egypt. What would he be doing? He would be leading a team to gather um, a, a food, right? During a time of plenty and prepare that, store that for the, in preparation for the time of famine. So listening to the suggestion, what does Pharaoh say? Genesis 41, 37 to 40, Joseph's suggestion were well, were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court. And all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. So he'll be basically second in command, right? And so after Joseph gives his suggestion, he says, you know what? Pharaoh says, you're the man. Joseph, you're the man. You know why he said that? Why did Pharaoh select Joseph? What does the Bible say? And I want you to keep this in mind. I want you to always remember this. What does the Bible say? This man was obviously filled with the Spirit of God. That's how we need to live our life. So it becomes obvious to other people without even saying a word. It becomes obvious by the way we act, the way we behave, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, right? He was not simply guided by the Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit of God. I want you to remember that phrase. Filled with the Spirit of God. Can you? Can you remember that for me? All right. And so let's go to the, uh, the principles. The ten principles. Number one to ten. That is how you thrive when you, wherever you may be planted. And so he gave glory to God. Relied on him. And the Spirit of God was in him. And because of this, he was promoted and what did Pharaoh say to Joseph? 41, 39 to 40. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court. 
and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. He was promoted, right? He was promoted from prisoner to prime. Prime minister. Can you imagine that? From prisoner to prime minister. This is what God can do. God can take you from your prison and place you on a palace, right? If we just cooperate with God and trust him. And so how did Pharaoh even honor Joseph? Genesis 41, 41, 44. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it. Can you imagine that? On Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted. <laughs> Before he was a prisoner. You know, if I was Potiphar's wife, <laughs> I'd be afraid if I was Potiphar's wife. If I was Potiphar, I'd be afraid too, right? And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. <laughs> Can you imagine the power and the authority that Pharaoh, king of Egypt, gives to Joseph? Right? This is why, you know, let God be God in your life and he will transform your situation no matter what, how bleak it may be. And so... How else did Pharaoh bless Joseph? Genesis 41, 45, 46. And Pharaoh gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, Zaphenath, Panea. <laughs> That's a nice name. Huh? Hello, Zaphenath, Panea. Maybe if I have our next son, we can name him <laughs> Zaphenath, Panea. <laughs> My wife is looking at me and says, no, I don't want another son. How about a daughter? No more? Okay. He also gave him a wife. Name was Asenath. <laughs> she was the daughter of Potiphera, the priest of On. These are nice names. So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was 30 years old. How old was Joseph when he began his public ministry or he became a prime minister? 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He was there 17 years old, right? He was a teenager when he went to Egypt. How long is that wait? 17 or 30? 13 years? Okay. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. What was, was uh, the dream? Was the prediction of the dream? Was it correct? Genesis 41, 47, 49, as predicted, for seven years, the land produced bumper crops, extra crops. During those years, Joseph gathered all the crops grown in Egypt and stored the grain from the surrounding fields in the cities. He piled up huge amounts of grain like sand on the seashore. Finally, he stopped keeping records because there was too much to measure. And so while he was preparing during the, land, during the time of prosperity, he was able to gather so much grain, he stopped keeping records because there was so much. Isn't that a blessing? Absolutely. During this time, what was given to Joseph as well? Genesis 41, 50 to 52. During this time, before the first of the famine years, two Sons were born to Joseph and his wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. I don't know if it's pronounced Ephraim or Ephraim or Ephraim. I guess they can all be right, depending on your culture, national background, right? Let's just say Ephraim. Sounds more Filipino, doesn't it? Ephraim. <laughs> so Manasseh, Ephraim, they were both the sons given to Joseph, and they would also become the leaders in the future, eventually, of the tribes of God's people. And after the seven years of prosperity, what would happen next? Genesis 41, 53 to 54. At last, the seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to, came to an end. And the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine also struck all the surrounding countries. But throughout Egypt, there was plenty of food. What happened after the seven years of 
plenty, seven years of famine began. It struck all the surrounding countries, but at that time, during the first years, Egypt still had some food, but it became worse. Genesis 41:55. eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people began to cry, right? When the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to who? Joseph and do what he, whatever he tells you. So basically, here's the king of the whole land of Egypt crying to him and says, go to Joseph. He's the appointed one. You get that? Go to the appointed one and listen to him. Do whatever he tells you. Do you see what I'm trying to lead you to? Do you see a lot of things here? You know what I'm going to do next, right? After this. And I hope you can, you know, I hope we were like collecting clues along as we were studying uh, Genesis. And so that's what Pharaoh tells him. Go to Joseph. Do whatever he tells you to do. Genesis 41, 56, 57. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. And people from all around came to Egypt by grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. And so Egypt became a haven, a refuge for the, the people of the world. So basically, Joseph was the savior, quote unquote, right, of the whole world because from his leadership, the world was fed during a time of severe famine, right? Do you see, do you see something there? Yeah? Do you see Jesus in Genesis? I hope you can see Jesus in Genesis. You see how Jesus is all over the place in Genesis ever since we started in Bereshit. He was already in the first verse. The first verse, Christ was already there before God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says God, Jesus was in the mind. He was the Logos of God. Bereshit. Can you imagine that? And even now, God is telling us something about Christ. Right? This is why from last study, if you notice, uh, next slide, please. You notice the similarity. Last week, right? G Joseph was beloved by his father, and Jesus is beloved of his father. He was hated. Christ was hated. Joseph was sent to find his brothers. Christ was also sent to find his brothers. His brothers plotted to murder him. The Jews also did the same thing. He was sold for how many shekels? 20 by Judah. Judas was the one who betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. The blood of a goat served as a sign of his death. His own blood is a sign of his death. You see the similarities between Joseph and Jesus? The parallelism. Did you see a lot of that in the three chapters we studied today? We studied three chapters. Did you see that? Are you sure? How many did you find? There's probably a lot more, but this is the only one I can find. Next slide. I only found 11. <laughs> 11. What's the first one? Joseph was tempted. Remember? 39.1. Was Christ tempted? Next slide. Yeah. Who tempted him there? The devil. Was falsely accused. Was, did that happen to Christ? Yeah. The chief priest falsely accused him. Matthew 26, 59 and 60. Was put in prison. Was Christ put in prison? Yeah. Handed over to Pilate as prisoner. Matthew 27.2. Was silent when maligned. Joseph was silent. How about Christ? Isaiah in the prophecy did not open his mouth. Isaiah 53, verse 7. Prison warden favored him. Joseph. How about the centurion? Next slide. The centurion also favored him. You know what the centurion said? This, this man is righteous. <laughs> That's what he said in Luke 23, verse 47. Uh, Joseph was with two notable prisoners. How about Christ? He was also with two, two criminals, right? One was saved. The other one was not <laughs> All right? It's the same thing. Genesis 41, 38. Joseph was filled, remember that? With the Spirit of God. And in Luke 41, the Bible says Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Genesis 41, 41. Uh, Joseph suffered, but he was exalted in the end. How about Christ? Yeah, he suffered, but he was exalted in the end. All knee would bow to the name that is to be given him. Right? Isn't it also what happened to... Everywhere, everywhere he would go, people would kneel down to him. Genesis 41, 46, he became prime minister at what age? 30. When did Christ begin his public ministry? 
when he was 30. Is that coincidence? I don't think so. Genesis 41, 55, uh, the, the king said to the people, go to who? To Joseph. Joseph. The father, when he appeared to the people, what did he say? He said, go to, the, to my beloved son. Listen to him. Hear him. But do what he says, because he's the appointed one. Matthew 17, verse 5. He saved the world from hunger, Genesis 41. Right? Is Christ also the Savior? Yeah. He's a Savior to the world, Matthew 1, verse 21. Do you see how Christ is in Genesis? When we study Genesis, our faith in Christ is reinforced. And when we look at the life of Joseph, we can see the principle of God using whatever happens to us. And he's able to do what? Next slide. He's able to cause everything to work together for good. I want to ask you a question. Did Joseph want to be in Egypt? No. But who wanted him in Egypt? God. Did Joseph know beforehand what would happen to him, that he'd be prime minister? But who knew? You see, when he was in point A, he didn't know where point B was going to be. But who knew where point B was going to be? God. What's your situation right now? Where are you at now? doesn't matter where you are at now. It doesn't matter where your point A is. Okay, forget the past. Learn from the past and then forget it. You're point A right now. Go to God and cooperate with God. And what can he do? He can cause everything. To work together for your good. Here's my question. Does it mean God will make you prime minister? Will he make you prime minister? <laughs> Is that his plan? <laughs> Do you want to be prime minister? So let me say, I want to be prime minister. Will God, is that part of his plan? To make you prime minister? Not quite, but something better. Do you know what God's purpose and plan is? And everything in your life that's happened in the past, Everything happening now and everything that will happen in the future, everything that will happen to you, God has a purpose for that. It's not to make you prime minister, but to make you what? Next slide. Verse 29, for God knew his people in advance. So he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Everything in your life, God is causing to work so that you can become like his son. You can become like who? Christ. Why? What is God's plan? Why does he want us to become like his son? We just keep reading. Let's read verse 30 now. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. You may not be prime minister of Egypt, but you have been called to be with Christ. So you can be given his glory. This is why brothers and sisters, do not complain about your situation now. You could be in jail. Doesn't matter what your present condition is right now. Brethren, give it to God. Go to God and say to God, Lord, I may not be in the situation I prefer, but I trust you and I love you. And you called me. So I give my will to you. May you shape my future. I trust you. Lead my path. I will follow you wherever you take me. Because for sure, from point A, which is where we're at now, it'll take us to point B. Well, we can receive the glory that God wants us to give. It's suffering first and then the glory, not the other way around. And so brethren, all of your suffering, all of your concerns, all of your worries, everything bothering you, give that all to God. And let God transform you and lead you to the place where he wants you to be. That all of us can partake together with the Son of God, the King of Kings. The glory that all of us are going to share together with him. Okay? That is our lesson. Let us all stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father. Yes, Father. Indeed you are good, Father. Yes, Father. In every conceivable way. And even in ways we cannot even ponder. Because your love is beyond our ability to comprehend. Yes. Thank you so much. Because you still never give up on us. Yes. Even though there are times when we have given up on ourselves. Yes. You have always been there. 
always ready to receive us. When you see us crying in pain, yes. and we cry out to you because of your mercy. Yes. Although you did not have to do it, you continue to respond to us. Yes. Father, thank you so much. Yes. We don't really know how to properly thank you. Yes. We can only cry out and say Abba to you. Yes. Because right now, at this very moment, we can feel your presence. Yes. We can feel your love. Yes. We know that you read our thoughts. Yes. You know what is in our mind. Yes. You know what is in our hearts. Yes. You know about the pain we feel. Yes. Because you know all things. Nothing's hidden from you. Yes. That's why, Father, we find so much comfort yes. just to pray to you. Yes. Because we know that you will cause all things to work together for our good. Yes. And so we are prepared to endure. We will cooperate with you. Yes. We will submit to your authority. Yes. Even if we have to wait, oh God, yes. we will do so looking up to you. Yes. Father, when we can bear no longer, when we feel overwhelmed by life circumstances, yes. when we cry out to you and look up to you yes. from heaven, oh God, send your Holy Spirit yes. to comfort us and to strengthen us yes. that we can fulfill our destiny to be with you in your kingdom, to share the glory that you have given to your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord, we will listen to you. We will cry out to you always and forever. You are our Messiah and Chief Shepherd. We belong to you and publicly announce to the whole world, you are our leader. Please lead your servants today and always in our life. Help us to be strong like you, yes. that we can overcome the tribulations of our life. Father, please forgive our sins. Yes. Teach us to walk your path. Yes. Remember those who were reviled all over the world. Yes. Those who have been falsely accused and imprisoned. We trust you, O oh God. We trust you always and forever. Yes. May you please provide us what we need. Yes. Give us faith, O oh God, yes. and teach us to trust you at all times. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. Yes. You have blessed your people today. Yes. For we ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.